Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mailbag where we answer your questions to help you manage your team in 2023. My name is Damo and Clarky is also here. Great to be here. Our guest this week contributes to the great work over at the Coaches Panel. He also currently sits 320th in Supercoach for the year so far. It's Minimunk. Thanks for coming on, mate. Pleasure to be here. Minimunk, maybe this question isn't for you, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on it anyway. It's been a tough season for some. There's Some have rebounded, some are still in the process of rebounding. Last week was the first week my team seemed to gel. It was the first good score for the year, I would say. But how has it been for you guys? I know you're sitting pretty there in the top 500, Monk, but what has it been like seeing the bad luck other coaches have had to deal with? It's been a brutal year. I mean, look at how many popular premiums and even mid-prices have gone down so far. Led started the year very poorly in a game where, you know, might have been unwell, copped a bit of attention in the heat. Stewart goes down injured round one. Steele goes down with an AC joint. Tristan Cherry, who was a pretty popular mid-priced ruck, goes down as well. And Took Miller goes down last week. I mean, it's been a horrible year to be trading into, you know, the top line premiums and wanting to actually own them. I actually traded into Took Miller last week as well. And it hurt. Like Ooh. he was probably the the most popular premium target last week. Yeah. And unfortunately you just get bad luck like that. Sometimes you just have to push through it. And, you know, it evens out in the long run. You played super coach enough times over enough years and the luck evens out. You just got to think about it that way. Yeah. And there's, there's also that element as well, where there's always room for learning, uh, you know, Mini, you've, you've just put it so eloquently, but I want to show you the other side of the coin where coaches, myself, uh, prevalent in this, can just shoot themselves in the foot because why not? <laughs> why not do that to yourself? Why not leave the captaincy on Nick Dacos instead of taking literally any other player in your side? Why wouldn't you do that to yourself? That's not that's conducive to improving overall. Um, yeah, I, that... I've been there as well. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, tossing and turning and tossing and turning about who do I want to make my captain this round? Who do I want to make my captain this round? I think I had about a 110 VC and I went, you know what? I'm going to risk it. I'm going to take a punt on Rowan Marshall as my captain for this week. He proceeds to score his lowest score for the year in round three against Essendon and goes 78. I remember a few weeks ago, uh, Lechdog had the vice captaincy on Jack McRae and he finished on 114, which is kind of an awkward score when it comes to thinking about vice captains because usually most people won't consider anything below 120, but he took it and said, trust me, this is going to be one of the best captaincy scores of the round. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then my captain, who like, so I didn't take my vice captaincy, but then my captain scored 114. So I didn't lo- I didn't lose anything I, and we both got the same benefit out of our captains but it's, it's just this year's been strange. I think from you know from what Minnie said I think the the lesson that we can really take from it is that with all the uncertainty and we're kind of seeing that remembering how volatile real life can be that we're basing this weird numbers game on so it's important just to get the little things right, like getting your captains correct and having your emergency covers and just sort of 
when the stuff like the took miller one i i have to thank you damo uh yep. which i don't think i have done and lek for both telling me nah get bond instead of took <laughs> and that that worked out like in a pure coincidence for me mm. um so I think just, you know, getting those little things right is really what's going to keep separating because I think I've managed to, not to toot my own horn, but first time ever, I'm within the top 10k. Um, have I used an abnormal amount of trades? Probably. But, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where overall my team is kind of at a point now where I'm like, all right, like, I can work with this and now we've just got to got to get those decisions correct. And your teams, your teams can be at that point. Like you might have used twenty trades by this point, but if your team's looking really good and you're happy to run it up until the buys now, there's nothing wrong with that. Some teams might have only used ten trades and be in a good spot as well. But this comes back to the luck that is with the injuries as well. Like if you've avoided all of those, you know, injuries to premiums, if you've avoided a lot of the rookies that have popped bad scores or got injured or been dropped out of the side you lose less trades. It's just the way the game happens and it's the way it works. So there's nothing wrong with having used more trades to this point because that might've just been the hand that's dealt with your starting team. And I think the most frustrating thing is most thought processes towards trades and how people are managing their team haven't been wrong. It's just been bad luck that's come out the other end and then they've had to fix it and which means which means that they've had to keep a rookie an extra couple of weeks and perhaps lose a bit of money or keep someone on the field that they didn't really want to because they couldn't upgrade elsewhere because injury happened or because suspension happened or something along those lines so it's just it's just been bad luck and we're now a third through the season pretty much and it just feels like this is the way the year's going to go. I'm going to, sorry, just a, one final thought. I'm going to bring a pet peeve to the table on that point, Damo. Uh, stop using hindsight to put down other people's <laughs> teams. I've been seeing, I've been seeing it a lot out in the super coach Twitterverse, and that's fine. Like yeah. there's a lot of lovely people out there and in, in all fantasy communities, fantasy communities are the best. However, Stop using, like, to people you don't know. If that's how you're liking your friends group, Minnie, I don't know if you guys are like that, the coaches panel in behind the scenes, but Damo and I definitely rib each other personally because Damo is experiencing the bad luck season. I, I'm having probably one of the most fortuitous seasons so far that I've had, but don't use hindsight to put other people's teams down. Let's help each other. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Let's get it done. All about that positivity. Like, you get bad luck every now and then, you know, premiums get injured rookies get dropped you roll with the good you roll with the bad there's no point being a hindsight hero just got to look forward and try and improve your team from here on anyway we'll get to the questions now mini monk you've been popular we've had questions coming left right and center through our email through facebook through twitter so thanks to everyone for getting involved We'll start with this question from Troy. He wants to know, what are our thoughts on Patrick Dangerfield or P Christian Petrarca as cheap? He, he says cheap. They're not that cheap, but cheap options. Yeah, this is a very interesting one. I, I agree with your sentiment. I don't feel like they're cheap options. Uh, and of the two, I really like Petrarca. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to bring him in last week and got his pop score, but even at, you know, sub 600K, there's a chance he ends up as a top eight midfielder, let alone the chance that he gets forward DPP and becomes 
one or two in that forward line alongside Taranto and Dunkley as the potentials that could be the top scoring forward for the year. But Dangerfield does have the advantage of being standalone in that round 13 bye, but he's old and I don't (laughs) trust that Geelong team. I really don't trust Chris Scott's management of 32-year-olds playing for Geelong because a rest for him could just come out of nowhere. It's my uh, whereas... favorite thing. Sorry, I was going to say it's no, my no, favorite thing about Dangerfield is that every time he comes up in a conversation, and I think this is across the board, it's always it's no one's going, oh no, nah, he can't do it, or no, nah, he just hasn't really got like the fire in him. It's like he's old. It's the, Sh- <laughs> it's the Shannon Hearn thing. They're in like this special little group where we're like, nah, Grandpa's going to need a rest at some point. <laughs> He's going to need to dust off the boots and retire to the farm at some stage. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I opened Supercoach to begin the year, to begin the season, I was surprised to see Shannon Hearn in the top 10 defenders. I was like, and no one wanted to trade him in, like because of his age, because of how the way West Coast's injury list was or still is. Um, and, but he was one of the better scorers last, last year. So, so, I mean, age, I feel like age shouldn't really matter if they're performing, but you're right. Yeah. Chris Scott loves to manage his veterans and especially towards the later end of the season when it gets, when Supercoach gets real hated, where people, where like one tw- bad score of 20 points off can be the difference between you finishing top 200 and top 300. So mm. people aren't going, if so people probably aren't leaning towards Dangerfield because they're worried about that week off. Mind you though, Christian Petrarca, he hasn't set the world on fire and he's rocking a 113.9 average, Hmm. but I don't think he's had that many scores above 110. He scored 167 against North Melbourne, but 104 and 110 before that. And I don't think it's been it's been pretty similar to that in the weeks prior. So he's kind of a, he needs to hit his stride a bit, but I don't know at at just, at just shy of 600 K, I don't think he's as cheap as he needs to be for me to jump on him personally. The 699, oh, sorry, the 599 that is at now is that's popped because of that 167. But the thing that I like about, there's two reasons why I would probably say Petrarca out of those two options. And one is we touched on the forward, the possible forward eligibility is super attractive. Mm. Like Dangerfield has the buyer, but you can kind of work around that because it's only like, you know, it's only say, you know, any Gold Coast or any Geelong player. So who are you really looking at? Stuart, Danger, maybe people with Jeremy Cameron, Tom Hawkins, and then the 10 people who own Noah Anderson. <laughs> um, you know, like, um, but the thing, the other thing that I really like about Petrarca is that he kind of is hitting a stride and then he just has that ability to pop off. I'd probably put it into like a, like a bond from Aldi kind of thing. If you look at his like variance, if you take out the 167, the variance between rounds one and six, his lowest is 97. So round one and two, he scored 97. And then his highest after that is 119, which was against Sydney. Then like 103, 110, 104. So there's going to be these games where he just is needed and everything goes right for him. Like he kicks a couple goals and he picks up those those points. He's definitely a high floor, high ceiling kind of player, but it's just a matter of 
there's more games where he's closer to his floor than his ceiling. Yeah, I think that that's very fair. But you only have to look back to a couple of years ago to see the type of runs that he can go on. I mean, he he went 123, 173, 125, 92, 148, 111, 126 to end the 2021 season. That's top two, top three mid-level type numbers. And he's already come down a lot in price this year as well. And the run is really nice. Like he's got Gold Coast, Hawthorne, Port aren't the easiest, but then Freo, Carlton, Collingwood coming into his buy. As I said before, I think this might be the cheapest that you get him at least for a little while. And so, yeah, if you're going for one of the two, it's probably Petrarca, just as you said, price, DPP, potential for arrest. And as a small caveat, I find it funny that you bring up Shannon Hearn because he was the last premium that I traded into in Supercoach last year at round 18. And <laughs> hey, that was a fun ride. He, he did, did the, the job. job. That's what matters. Fun. You got to have a bit of fun sometimes with the guys that you bring in as well. Like if you yes. think that Dangerfield's going to be a fun ride and you want to get all aboard that, then by all means, but I'm not going on Chris Scott's roller coaster. I mean, I traded in Mitch Mitch Owens last week instead of Stephen Cornelio because I wanted something fun in my team. So That's going to pay dividends for you this week. Absolutely. Against North Melbourne? I hope so. <laughs> Speaking of St. Kilda, this mm. next question comes from Fraser Kenny on Twitter. Jack Sinclair or Jack Steele? Jack Sinclair. Next. You've been reading my trade plans for this week because these are the two options that I am very much tossing between. And I'm going I, the other way. I'm really? on Jack Steele. Okay. Jack Steele. It's I, it's a good matchup for them this week, but it's against just... against North Melbourne, he could get like eighty points on tackles alone. I mm. don't trust Ross. No one should trust Ross. So why are we trusting Ross with uh Jack Sinclair then? Because he's been doing it. Alright. Like well, Steele, how Steele about... has the history, which is fine. Mm. But the the injury and then one big game coming back from it something to me it just it's one of those like those gut feels where I'm like I don't think I'm ready like if he did it again even against North I'd still be like well you know it he's the perfect value option I'll say that not not to play both sides and sit on the fence kind of thing I think if you bring him in that is obviously a good decision because he's dead cheap and what he can produce shows exquisite value. However, if I had the option to go, I think Sinclair as a defender looks like he's going to be hitting around that hundred mark, which means perfect. I don't, I'm not worried about that. Like I ain't worrying about that for the rest of the year. But with the mids, I'm like, well, if I spend a, you know, 50k more, say, which I know is a lot, I'm like, oh, that's a Patrick Cripps, like who's only had one score below a hundred and no injuries. I think the counter well, ha- argument. Oh. Well, how how about let's if we're worried about Ross Lyon, let's throw someone else into the mix. Supercoacher has said Sinclair or Sicily, but we'll add him to this discussion. Would you do you trust Sicily more than Sinclair because Ross Lyon is in charge of St Kilda, or do you, or is Sinclair still the safer option? Or I mean, the first Good. question, I'm 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 going Play, steal. Playing my I'm bias going steal. versus information, Damo. How dare you? <laughs> I, yeah, look, I'd probably still go Sinclair between if that's that's the question. I think maybe it's just the midfield unit of St Kilda where I want to see 
I want to see Steel do it like pretty consistently. I think that's that's what would make me feel better about it. Like I don't deny at all that he is primed to come in this week. I, I think I would also agree. I think I'm Sinclair over Sicily. Sicily has been good this year, but he's been inconsistent. It's mm. been up and down. He's been on kick-ins. He's been on lockdown. And so my thoughts is that his price is going to come down at some point again. He's going to be achievable to jump on again at some point in the season, whereas Sinclair might not. And Steele might not either. So if I'm picking one out of the three to not go this week, it's probably Sicily. But the other thing I would mention is look at your buys when you're making this decision. Yeah. Steele, Sinclair, both have the round 12 buy. Sicily has the round 14 buy. If you're short for either of those buys, that might sway you towards one player or the other. And if people want to hear something crazy, even with Harry Sheasel's 53, he's only three points behind James Sicily for total points for defenders. Mm-hmm. So That's huge. that kind of just shows how sort of flat James Sicily has been with his scoring. But mind you, fourth ranked defender, not 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 bad. No. Next question comes from Tim Walsh on Twitter. Uh, should I trade Setterfield to Oliver banking 160k for future upgrades? Or Jason uh, Jacob Van Ruyen to Tom Stewart only banking ten thousand. This is a really tricky I guess predicament for him because going Setterfield to Oliver feels fantastic this week Setterfield is someone that I think a lot of coaches are looking to move on this week I think there is an argument to holding him because of his run coming into the bye and he has shown that he can score well but I think it is the right time to move him and getting up to Oliver who's clearly the number one mid in the game at what might be his lowest price point for a little while, it's not a bad time to jump on. But JVR is a rookie. And if you've got JVR on field versus Setterfield on field, I would much rather be rocking Setterfield on field for the next five weeks. So when you're looking at them in the comparison, I'd probably be looking to do JVR to Stewart, acknowledging the fact that you know Van Ruin might make another 20, 30K and Setterfield might come down in that value. Yeah, it's... The the JVR question, I think I'd probably wait for teams this week mm. and get it. Like, JVR, I think he did a full year playing for Casey. They've Melbourne have primed him up, and we want him playing consistently because he's the future. And, you know, if he gets that confidence, and he's already doing really smart things off the ball and on the ball. So I think there's no reason why he, they'll drop him. Like, I don't think they're just going to drop him out of the blue. Maybe a couple of runs are just no influence games. Um, but I think he he probably has a little bit of security and a little bit of money to make. So I'd probably personally be looking to move on Setterfield. Um, just because I think JVR is probably somebody that you know, as you said, he has more money to make and he's probably got a bit of, as I say, I think he's got a bit of safety for a couple of weeks. So going that full upgrade, like both of them are upgrades, which is great yes. because that means that neither move is the wrong move. Um, but then, you know, as you said, I, if, if it were me, I'm keeping JVR this week. Hmm. Um, and he was one of the, the rookies on my chopping block for my trade plans. Um, 
So I'd probably say the money that he's to gain versus Setterfield, he kind of got Setterfield kind of got pushed out onto a wing um, last week in a game where Essendon as well weren't like they were really bad for a lot of the game and then okay for some of it, but it was already, but it was already too late. So, you know, kind of what's the point. Um, But I just, yeah, if he's going to keep on getting pushed around and he's not going to have that role that saw him getting those eighties to like, you know, he had that one hundred one one hundred 100 game. um, That's kind of alarming for me in terms of what I'd be losing over what I'd be gaining. Yeah. I I don't think trading Setterfield is the wrong option this week. In fact, yeah. I'm personally trading Setterfield this week um, because it allows me to do a lot with the cash that's already on his head. And much like you, JVR was in my calculations for rookie tradeouts. I'm not currently trading him out at this stage, but if teams come out and he's dropped, heaven forbid, it might happen. Probably not though, by the sounds of it, he might be a rookie that moves for me this week. But yeah, as you said, I think either option is is good. Getting to Oliver is a lovely option as well. Getting to Stewart, who's probably a top six defender and has the round 13 buy is a great option too. Another positive JVR is that Shaki probably comes out of the team before him. Mm, so that's there's, true. there's a spot for that other tall, depending on how Ben Brown's traveling and Tom McDonald um, are probably the only big tools waiting to come back in anyway. Um so I think he's, yeah, he's at least sort of not, not too low down on the rungs. The thing that sticks out for me is the amount of money that's being put aside after these trades. We aren't really getting a lot of rookies with great job security coming through. So that money sitting there in the bank after you trade Setterfield to Oliver might assist you moving on someone who you haven't seen for a while or isn't really making that much money anymore. So like a, like a Lockie Cowan, if you wanted to move him on, you're really only downgrading him in, in part in your trades. And if you, ne- and if you're going to go one up, one down and Cowan's the, and Cowan's one of the ones you're trading, your next rookie that has to, that's going is probably a Will Ashcroft or something along those lines. Who's made a bit more cash. who can kind of balance out what Cowan hasn't made yet, but in saying that, Setterfield, if, even if Setterfield only averages, let's say, 75 from here on out, he's going to sit at about 350 and and it, that, that's a lot of money to lose on his current price. But rook, rookies aren't getting to that price. So that's still pretty good money to have a side, I say a side, but as a reserve and, a play, and, and for a player that is every chance to score over over 100 with, with the right matchup. So it's it's difficult because I understand people want money aside because the rookies aren't really doing the rookie thing at the moment, but I think taking a rookie off field for a premium is probably the better option probably but neither of these options are options that I hate. So it's kind of a matter of what does it look like at team selection and how does that translate into what your team looks like? Yeah. I I think looking at his upcoming run as well for Satterfield, mm. if you decide to hold him, I think optimally you'd probably need to hold him until his buy. 
Like yeah. this is kind of this is last week was the week. This is the all right. Well, this is kind of the last chance. And then, as you said, Damo, if he keeps, if the trend is continuing downwards in terms of scoring, he's probably going to get to that three fifty, which still is, you know, more than he started on. Great, but after that, so they have Port, Brisbane, which are going to be two tough games for Essendon, and I think they're both on the road as well. They play Richmond at the MCG, which you'd probably say given how Essendon have been playing, that should be a reasonably straightforward win for them. Then West Coast, then North. So that takes us all the way up to round 12. They play Carlton in round 13, which means that he could kind of just hover to like a little bit up or a little bit down wherever he is. And then by round 14. So I think you'd probably hold him until after that North game if he's still playing the role that we expect. Yeah, you've either got to hang on and ride the dip or you're life. bailing off this week. Yeah. You've got to hang on for dear life and pray that he pops some big scores in that, you know, that nice three-week fixture, Richmond, West Coast, and North. And, you know, there is every potential that he does perform much better during that three-week fixture. So it's it's a it, this is very, very tricky decision-making. Next question comes from Harry on Twitter. Should I use a boost to get Oliver, Sincotta, and Simpson or leave the boost and only get Tom Stewart and Alex Sincotta? Depends on how many boosts you got. Yeah, that's very true. (laughs) Sorry, I cut you off there. No, no. Uh, I I do agree. I think it does depend on how many boosts you've got. But I also think it's... I think it might be one of the last weeks, aside from maybe the buys, where using a boost is, is viable. We're looking very limited on the number of rookies that are coming through. And to have three rookies that are reasonable to potentially downgrade onto, I think Chin Cotter is a no-brainer if you don't already have him. And I think it's a flip of the coin between Angwin and, and Simpson. And I guess you could throw Teakle into that a little bit as well, although not quite as sold. But there's not going to be many times between now and the buys where there's going to be this many rookies on the bubble. Mm. And this many good rookies or reasonable rookies on the bubble, if that. So I think using the boost this week to go for Oliver is a viable move, but I also think that using the boost and going for Tom Stewart, Chin Cotter and Simpson is also a viable move if you get the coin and allows you to, you know, if it facilitates you being able to do another good upgrade next week as opposed to having to settle for someone in that 400k marker, that might be a better move. I think... I'm having trouble really recommending Simpson. So our man, our JR man, Fosdaddy um, at Matt Forrest does some wonderful, he's a journo um, that works down in Geelong and um, does some fantastic work. So his take uh, to, in conversations that we've had with him has been that Simpson probably starts to get really dicey after the next two weeks. So if you're bringing him in this week, it means that you need to plan ahead for him to potentially be dropped in three weeks when we don't know what the rookie horizon is. It's it's hard to recommend as a long-term plan to sort of go, well, is he going to make that money? Does his role change or maybe he stays in the team but doesn't score as well because that would be okay? Or does he get dropped entirely and we've got two weeks where he's he can actually make money? And that's... 
scary <laughs> a little bit when it's kind of you could hold onto the trade, which I think has more value than getting two weeks of cash gen unless he pops out a couple of tons, really. I think we're so dire for cash yeah. gen, though. Yeah. I, and, and that's why I'm willing to take the risk on someone like Simpson and even on someone like Angwin because I, I look to the future and we've got next week aside from maybe Weddle and then we've got Wardlaw that might be coming through this week or next week for North. There's not many good rookies on the horizon, not many rookies that we can say with confidence we'll get a five-week crack at them. So if you've got someone who's on the bubble, who has played before, who's a mature ager, who's there, okay, yes, because the Cats have injuries, but he's still a pretty good player and the Cats will rotate some of their other players through the year. He'll come in and out of that team, maybe get half a dozen to 10 games through the year. Might be enough just to be that heartbeat and get him to, you know, 260K. If he gets to that, I think that's a win. Yeah. Yeah. One one rookie that I really like, and his job security probably improves with Xavier Dersma out with that PCL injury, is Dylan Williams. He's played a few games, yeah. but he's at 197K, so only need to find another 30K from... Sam Simpson and he's probably going to have a four to six week block where he is in at least in that Port Adelaide team and he's coming off that half back so he's pretty reliable to score in 60s or 70s and he could top out at 320k before he's dropped and that's probably going to be pretty good he's definitely one to consider and uh, you know as a result of that Dersmer injury the other one that might come into that Port Adelaide team is Josh Sin Hey, yeah, that's good. We like if that, that. Happens that'd be interesting. A little rookie uh, positivity. That's what we need. Exactly. Josh Faye, come on, man. I know. <laughs> I know what I know. What you said, Kingsley. I know you said it might be he'll come in at some point. Sooner would be good. Yes, sooner would be lovely. Jeffrey Head wants to know: Would you double down Fergus Green and Matty Roberts to Simpson and Sincotta? and bank 200k or trade Fergus Green and Will Setterfield to Sincotta and a premium? I'd get rid of the zero. Yeah. I, I'm i not so sure I'd get rid of the zero here. Um, we're, we're talking about Simpson not having good job security. I think this is one of the situations where I actually wouldn't jump onto Simpson because you can get to Setterfield, you, you can get Setterfield and Green to the best rookie for the week and a premium using the same trades. Um, I suppose I'm thinking too know, much about my own zeros, which are yeah. many. <laughs> I, it's it's hard because you look at those zeros and you see those red dots next to them, you're thinking, gosh, where? what am I going to do with my team in the buys? But you just got to keep kicking the can down the road. You've just <laughs> got to keep saying, I'll fix it next week. I'll fix it next week. There's, Gold there's, Coast, please. Charlie Console <laughs> wants another game, please. Oh, just that bubble game, that 50K would be all that matters. Yeah. But doing something like Roberts to essentially doing Roberts to Simpson, you're making 20K. Is that really worth the trade? Oh, no, look, you've sold me. You're right. He needs a primo. I've seen Jeffrey's team. Why are you even messaging Jeffrey? Your team's good. <laughs> Say this every week. Timothy on Facebook. I'm just going. I'm just going to the next question. I'm just going to the next question. Jeff 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 doesn't need our help. His his team is fine. 
Timothy on Facebook. He says there's some juicy players down around 450 to 500k. Where do we see them ending up for the rest of 2023? So he's talking about people, talking about players like Dylan Moore, Toby Green, Chad Warner, George Hewitt, Luke Parker, Travis Boak, just to name a few. Where do we. Talking about fun players is what I'm hearing, Dave. Yes. Talking about the fun players. This is fun time. I've actually considered Toby Green. I like it. Yeah. He's doing the work. He's 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 one of one this year. He's there's no other player like him in the comp at the moment. No, no he's I, a great player to watch. Let's you know what I should I should have brought a list up of some juicy players. I'll tell you you know what I'll tell you my four hundred four fifty to five hundred player that I might bring in this week, and I think I might be legally required to due to some external stuff that's going on. But um, Will Powell. Yeah, he's he's got a really good role. He uses the ball well, interceptions and consistent scores of well over a hundred the last two mm-hmm. weeks, and then a, a in on around the hundred. And mm-hmm. he's only four eighty. Mm-hmm. And he has the round thirteen buy. Very good for buys. Indeed, indeed. Not, not a is... lot to hate. There are some very interesting options in that price range. Um, I like Hewitt. I think Hewitt is, you know, we paid a very similar cheaper price for him last year at the start of the season and he performed phenomenally. He's carried a bit of an injury through and now he's scoring pretty well. I think he can do 100-odd. I think Warner and Parker are a bit scary. I don't know what's exactly going on with that Swans team. You know, it's hard to (laughs) trust Horse when he's doing Horse things. I think Jai Simpkins is a bit interesting as well if they start to give him the mid-clock and he starts to get back into the swing of things. Finn Lason as well. He seems to be getting a pretty friendly role with rucking. And, you know, he's got that good forward time as well. I like it. Nick Haynes is still 450 and he's been doing okay. Like, he's not blow you out of the water, but, you know, consider it. (laughs) It's so funny that you mentioned Jeremy Finlayson because I, <laughs> I, I gave Patch a lot of shit in our group <laughs> chat for even mentioning him. It's like I just don't think of Supercoach and Jeremy Finlayson in the same, in the same thought, and uh, it's kind of scary that he's, that he's in the conversation. I mean, a few years ago I said the same about Aaron Hall, so yeah. I guess we've got to adjust and just take what's in front of us but gee it's hard when they haven't had it when they haven't been there before you want to know a, a really fun option someone who at the start of the year i penciled into going to the next level to becoming that bona fide premium player that i started hayden cool. young yeah 460k he is so cheap if you're wanting to take a punt on someone and if freo changed the way they play their game like they did you know, like it looked like they did it against Brisbane Lions and got the ball into his hands a lot. There's no reason why he can't push that 100 marker. Shout out to Tim Mitchell for trading him out before this. <laughs> if uh, you, heard, you heard it here first, and I agree. As a as a keeper league owner of Hayden Young, Frio do good, Hayden Young do good. And you guys play Hawthorne this week, which could do good. 
Oh, that to be honest, it's, it's, that's scary. It's Adoptus. Yeah, it I think you'll be I, fine. I believe. I think it's the other way around. I think it's Hayden Young do good. <laughs> Freo do good. Yeah, actually, maybe. Maybe you're right. Dylan Shield, I think, as well, is another one. He's quietly just been racking it up and seems to have a little bit of a ceiling on him. In the 109 ceiling, like nothing break the world apart. But if you're really looking for someone in that that area that's not going to let you down. Nah, Toby Green, I think we, we figured out is the answer, right? Matt Rowell? Toby Green's my answer. I don't know if it's your answer. I thought your I answer was... Toby. I thought your Will answer Powell. was Will Powell. No, my personal, my personal, what I'll be doing is Will Powell. Ah, so that's not the right answer then, right? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that my answers are the correct answers, but <laughs> top 10K. <laughs> if if you want someone who's right down at that 400K marker, Jason Johannesson. If you oh. really have that risk appetite and you want to go real dirt cheap, JJ is off at halfback flank, and it doesn't seem like Bevo is moving him, but obviously Bevo salad kids at any time. Christian Salem due to come back for Melbourne as well. Angus Brayshaw is four hundred thirty-two thousand after losing a hundred k. Yowzers! Another one. Yep. Another. There's there's some players to consider around that price point. I'm just sure. saying. I'm saying. Andrew Brayshaw came out and said that he had a knee thing that is getting better. So mm-hmm. what I'm hearing is Brayshaw Brothers double upgrade is the move <laughs> community. You heard it here first. Good vibes, brothers. Need them. If only Andrew was sub 500k. <laughs> yeah. Let's get Hamish as well. Where's he at? <laughs> Give him a game. How do we compare Ryan Angwin, Bryn Tekel, and Sam Simpson? That comes from SC is Life on Twitter. I think that let, let's let's think about Tekel first because I think he is the most situational. I think if you are crying out for rut cover, um, and maybe if you've got someone who is, or if you've got someone who's made a lot of coin at R3 and that you want to swing forward, say a Asava Radigalia, then Tekel is a viable option. But I think for the majority of coaches, I, I wouldn't be touching him. I think there's too much job security concerns. The run isn't great. Don't know if he's going to get part forward. Don't know if he's going to get subbed. They seem to be wanting using um, Finlayson in the rock and Dixon in the rock. So I'd be scared. I think it's really just Angwin and Simpson. And I think we talked about it a bit before. How desperate are you for the coin in the next couple of weeks? If you need that 40K and it's going to make the difference and maybe go Angwin. I, I think that I prefer Simpson because he's done it before at the AFL level. But, you know, it's it's a real flip of the coin type decision. What's the deal with Lysat? Is he dead? Like, is, he had a is that it? Is, yeah. Cork is tip. his career done? <laughs> This, this we've replaced you with three people. guys. <laughs> some suggestions from people, and I, and I hate to talk ill of players, but some people are saying he might never play for Port again in the AFL, That's and that Port wild. just want to use Dixon, Finlayson, and Tekel instead of playing Lysard. And you know, if if there's even Port fans saying things like that, you've got to think that Tekel gets a reasonable gig. But I, I don't see him scoring well. I mean. I, I, I just don't know where it's going to come from. The next three ruck matchups are horrendous. And if you're trying to use him to get through to the buy, he might make 50K if he's only pumping out 40 scores. 
Yeah, it's a bit like Geelong Ruck vibes. Like mm-hmm. Geelong Ruck situation vibes for me. I asked Anthony Alessiani, who is the co-host of The Glass Table and co-host of Pairs on a Pod. So he's a big power man. I asked him what's the job security of Bryn Teekle and he thinks very secure, lies at nowhere near AFL form. So, and he seems pretty on the ball with a lot of what he says about Port Adelaide. So if you, if he, if Teekle's the one you want to jump on, I don't hate it. It's just, I don't know if 197k is, is, uh, is attractive. Or a ruck only as well. Like, yeah, I, just, I don't see it. Go Simpson. Ang- I think Angwin is the slow burn. He seems to be averaging fifties. And GWS, for better or worse, they seem to be playing the kids well for better. Given that brilliant win, by the way, I was we were on the way to the the North mm. Melbourne North v, v Melbourne game, and I was had it on the car in the car on the KO and I'm screaming while my wife's driving, which I can imagine for her was probably one of the most stressful experiences that she's had in her life. But oh, GWS are getting it done and they've got so many, like they're playing their kids through the team. So I can't see any reason why that shouldn't continue if he's named again this week. They look exciting doing it as well. Yeah. Next question comes from Benno on Twitter. Are Sincotta and Angwin worth a trade boost? Sincotta, yes. Angwin, probably not. Well, I imagine if he's only bringing in Sincotta, he doesn't need the trade boost. So I think he's wondering if he needs to bring in both. This is the situation that I was thinking about this week with my team. And I initially was thinking it's not worth using the trade boost. But I've had some discussions with with MJ and with Rids on the coaches panel and, and through some of our chats. And I think I've come to the conclusion that it is worth using it because I think I said it before. I don't know when I'm going to be using another trade boost. I have two left. I'm probably using one this week and I'm saving one for the buys. But aside from that, I don't know when between now and round 12, there's going to be the need to because I don't see a week where we're going to be jumping onto two rookies. And purely because of that, I think it's worth to using it. Yeah, I can agree. As somebody who also has two boosts left pre-trades this week, um, if there is a use case that you have for it, then go. Like my, my general rule, and I've probably said it many times on this podcast, is that if your team's getting better, then it's net a good trade, right? Like yeah. it's, you know, whether it's by a little bit or by a lot, usually it's by a lot because that's why you're doing it, then, you know, use your boost. Like, that's what they're for. They're for. Like, it's it's so that you can make these big moves and improve your team a significant step forward. Couple more questions to go. Next question comes from Rodanks via Facebook. Do I leave Ashcroft or Hopper in M8 or try to use my saved cash for Oliver or that type of super premium I don't have yet. I don't know how I feel about Ashcroft or Hopper as like a long, like I kind of low key really like Ashcroft as like a, I could keep him and just be okay. Cause he's fun to watch. Exciting. Hasn't scored super terribly, like maybe like a handful of times, but also has shown that he has the ability to just 
blast through and give you a hundred. Hopper, I've just not really been enjoying. I think like he's he seems to need to do a lot and do a lot well in order to score big. And this week he's in that spot where if you brought him in and you're like, okay, he's going to make his money. I'm going to keep him as long as I can and then go up. Like he's, I think he, he's projected 91 and I think his break even is 90 or very, or a variant of that. Yeah. If I, if I remember correctly. So it's, it's drastically close. So I think if you're upgrading him to an Uber Primo, then, well, that fits my mold of, you're upgrading your team significantly. If you're getting yourself net 40 points on that trade, then, you know, 30 you know, or 30 points or whatever it is, I think that's probably worth it, right? Yeah, it probably is. Um, Ashcroft scored really well. The only game where he's, you know, scored under, I think, about 75 was round one where he had Port Adelaide at Adelaide Oval, which is a very tough interaction. It's also, like, Brisbane looked putrid on that day as well. Yeah, they look to shell of the team loss. that they are now. Not so that way I think that, not that way anymore. Um, so I'm comfortable, agreed with with holding Ashcraft. I think he'll easily get to that, you know, 450k marker, and if he hits that at round 12 on his buy, might be the perfect time to move him on. He's done his job. You can get him up to an Uber. Hopper is a very interesting one as well. I think he falls very much into the Setterfield type of situation, but I don't think he has the same role concerns. And the same flaw that Setterfield might have. I mean, he looked out of it on that game. The entire Richmond team looked out of it on that game, and he still managed to get to 71. He's got the Eagles this week, traveling over to Optus. I mean, no, it's at the MCG. I got him at the G. Four four games at the G in a row. I think, yeah, maybe maybe this is the week to keep him in. I, I think this is the week to keep him as well. Yeah. I know that Oliver also has a very nice matchup, but like. I think it's really rough to be burning through one, if not two trades on guys that could score really well between now and their buy. And that's the other thing I really like about Opera is that he does have that round 15 buy. I think he's the type of guy that's, you know, a really nice move on at that buy. The tough thing about it, and we've, we've spoken about him a lot in, in name only at this point, but everybody is like Oliver seems to me that everybody is, well, i got to get him in now when kind of in actuality, this might not really be the time because you're, you're starting to burn through these people who are valuable on-field players. So you get rid of an Ashcroft or a Hopper or whoever it is, like a Fergus Green, Pedlar, JVR, whichever rookie. And then you end up having to play, you know, this week, you know, a rookie who we've already said the rookies that we've got this week, Angwin, He's averaging about 50 points. Sam Simpson could probably go, I think he's had one game in the 60s and one game in the 70s. And Geelong, you don't really know about that. Tickle, no faith in that at all. And then your other bench options, Alwyn Davey. Is he going to be named this week? We don't know. Is Ollie Cowan going to be named? Cowan, uh, according to Lech Dog, uh, he doesn't think that Cowan will be back for another couple of weeks, but probably does come back eventually. Mm-hmm. Sincotta, Chincotta, whichever it is, um, he's probably averaging fieldable. 70s, probably fieldable. So you're burning these guys, though, who are playable and to get one really good play. So I think it's it's about your whole team structure. Like if you're don't get rid of Hopper and Ashcroft or try to hold both of them because they can score. They have a better ceiling and they have the ability to score more, even though 
getting Oliver is super attractive. It's, so, it's not even that as well. It's not even just getting Oliver. It's what are you doing? Where are you going to get to 22 premiums by the buys or by the end of the buys if you go for Oliver now? I mean, we are talking about a guy who started the year off at 700000 He's come down in price, but he's still $650,000. And I'm concerned that I'm not going to get to 22 premiums in my team. And I'm holding on to players like Ashcroft, Hopper, Sheasel, McKenna, you know, Chandler for the time being, and trying to upgrade using the rookies that are on my bench and just copying a premium that might not be at that same level because it's so scary about when that last upgrade is going to come. Because if you get stuck with someone like, um, I don't know, Seamus Mitchell or Jacob Van Ruen at D6 or F6 from round 15 until the end of the season, that's going to hurt. Yeah, sorry, you just mentioned trading out McKenna and Chandler and I felt like I got stabbed in the heart because of the game <laughs> that I did last week. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it was it was a functional trade, pure transparency. I traded McKenna, uh, Chandler, and I think a, a non-player uh, hmm. to um, Will Day, Stephen Canelio, and Seamus Mitchell, which seemed to work out for me. But yeah, you're right. You've got these guys who are long-term. Like, you got to think about the long-term plan. I think there are primos other than Oliver who you could probably jump on that are a little bit cheaper as well um, or, you know, kind of on on the trend down, like a Rory Laird, but they're playing the Will, Willie Won't He again at the moment of if he's going to play this week. Um, but Rory Laird is sort of on, on the downward trend is 633, um, a little bit cheaper than Oliver, not much, but nets you about an extra 20, 20K there. Um, Canelio is still reasonably cheap at 526 if you don't already have him. Uh, so maybe it's it's not it's time to jump on value and maybe not an Uber Primo. Like there's a lot of guys in that high five hundred Ks marker that I don't have an issue jumping onto. We talked about Sinclair and Steel before, Sicily's in that mold. Parrish and Merritt are both very cheap, both sub six hundred. Yeah. You know, Josh Kelly's five seventy, LDU's five sixty if he comes back from his injury, Noah Anderson's five sixty odd. Even Paddy Cripps, who's gone, you know, 153 this week, I think about 130 last week as well, he's still sub 600K. And these are all players that have done it before. They're all players that we know can be in and around that top eight marker. I think that there's a lot of merit to, you know, potentially skimping out a little bit and and going for these players instead. Uh, next question comes from the same person. He was thinking of upgrading Connor McKenna to Caleb Daniel. We've spoken about not trading Connor McKenna, um, but he's talking about Caleb Daniel as a bit of a pod, or should he go bigger and get Luke Ryan? I'd keep Connor McKenna. <laughs> with, just, with Rich? Just because there's no Rich and there's no Zorko. I think this is very much like the Warple move when people traded him and then Dagos has done it for two weeks. It looks like the stars have aligned for McKenna. And and with Rich and Zorko both out for three weeks, 
And also with McKenna having the round 12 bye, I think it's just a perfect play. I think you just sit on your hands and you wait because I'm, as well as, you know, Luke Ryan has been scoring, I don't know if he keeps it up. And I also don't think that Caleb Daniel is a premium option. I don't think he's someone that we can trust. He got thrown into the midfield this week and the last week, but Devo Salad. You poor, poor Frio supporters. It's just, I don't know. I don't know if we can keep doing this. The, 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 other, the other thing to note is Luke Ryan is managing a back issue, which mm. puts some doubt around his selection every single week. Hasn't hampered him yet, but I assume there will become a time or there will come a time perhaps later in the season when people are going for their league trophies or are trying to do their best to jump up the rankings where he misses a week or two because of that back has flared up at the wrong moment. So I'm keeping Connor McKenna. I'm, I'm holding fire on that for now. Very good. Yep. What are the vice captaincy and captaincy options this week? Taranto against West Coast. Tim Taranto, Taranto against the West Coast. Against West Coast. Um, if you don't trust Nick's uh, and his caution that Keys might do another tag, Stewart has phenomenal history at Goomba and against Adelaide. But I think I trust Nick's enough to say that he, when he's sending a tag to someone, he'll send a tag to someone. <laughs> yeah, after last week. After last week. So after last week, we we have all the fear <laughs> and none of the optimism. Um, yeah, I think Dawson, um, though against the Cats, um, mm. Dawson has just shown to be one of the guys in that Crows mix who just gets things done. Like he is in and around it and Rory Laird being touch and go at the moment means that more ball will be probably given to him to do those things. And if you have Jack Steele or you're trading in Jack Steele, you probably could stick the captaincy armband on him against North Melbourne. Last game of you the round. You probably could. Um, I don't mind Oliver and Petrarca as VC shouts against Gold Coast. Yep. Um, and if you're going really later on in the round, I don't mind someone like Caleb Sarong as a VC shout against Hawthorne as well, if you have him. That's a bit of a pod option. Other way, I don't mind James Sicily, considering the Dockers just can are just bombing it in at the moment. So he could just fly across Optus Stadium and be intercepting everything. In the same vein, Will Day as well, if you really want to go out there. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, Bonds and Pelly, as always. Tim English gave us his first under 130, which is sad. truly, truly sad. Um the, it feels like the end of times, the, <laughs> the blurst of times, if you will. But I do like him to bounce back against Flynn. Um, you know, he he's just around it. You know, you can't you can't ever count out Tim English. I think. I think I agree. All I got from that was how much faith Mini Monk and I have in Justin Longmuir's game plan, but. That's for, that's for a different podcast. Oh my god. Are you guys okay? <laughs> no. Not okay. <laughs> I feel like um I feel like uh, Homer when he walks into the kitchen and it's like grandpa and Lisa and they're like, It's awful being a free supporter. No one listens to you and I'm just eating my <laughs> I'm a Melbourne supporter. Everything's going okay. 
need to rub it in. That's all the questions for today. Mini Monk, thank you for coming on and answering questions with us. Where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at MiniMonk10 and doing weekly or most weeks with the coaches panel on their roundtable discussion. And yeah, pleasure to be on with you guys. Oh, we've loved it. And Clarky, thank you again for being here. It's always a pleasure. I promise this week to pick a sensible captain. If you have a question you'd like answered, all you have to do is tag your question with Jock Mailbag on social media or send an email to jockmailbag at gmail.com and we'll talk next time. Go Dees.